Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Good evening. This is hard. COVID-19 is hard. And I just want to acknowledge that. I want to acknowledge the stress that we feel, the health risk, health risk for those that we love, changes to our schedule, changes to work, change to school, feeling distanced from people that we care about and from activities that are normal for us. So let's, let's acknowledge, let's all come together and say, yep, this is hard. Now let's go because we have hope. Our Lord told us that life would be hard but we have hope. So I'm gonna use a speaker technique. It's called the surgery method. Um, very frequently, sermons and other presentations cut you open first by presenting a problem, asking questions, making you wonder, and then hopefully at the end, they sew you back up. Um, you've been through enough. You've been through enough. I'm gonna baby you just a little. So we're gonna sew you up, then we're gonna cut you open and then we're gonna sew you back up again, okay? So in James 16, 33, we have a promise. And it quotes, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. James 16, 33, one more time. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Believers in Christ, we have such an advantage. Let's try that same verse, taking out in me and taking out, I have overcome the world. All right, listen to this. I have told you these things so that in me you may, oh, I goofed, let's start again. I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. How comforting was that? Our comfort from the fact comes from the fact that we have peace in me, in Christ, and he has overcome the world. What a tremendous difference. Let's talk about how we do that. So um, anybody in the audience take philosophy? Anybody pass it? Um, there's a famous quote by Nietzsche that says, that which doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Look at the people around you, look them in the eyes, and do you agree with that? My guess is that there'll be some head shakes, some head shakes sideways, and a lot of eyes frantically avoiding contact with those around you. The answer is sometimes. I've been amazed in my, in my life in crisis response how the same stressor impacts different people so differently. Um, I've responded to dozens and dozens and dozens of bank robberies, and I'm always amazed how there will be five tellers and one is curled in fetal position under the desk. One is weeping, one is giggling, one is a million mile stare, and one wants to go to the mall. Same thing happened. And if you come back 24 hours, they may have just changed chairs. But I think, I think after tragedies, people fall into different categories. I'm gonna call them buckets, and I'm gonna outline three. Victim, survivor, and survivor. 
okay? There are folks for whom a hardship or a stressor, whether it's an incident or in this case, really difficult because it's an ongoing process without an end in sight, but where people allow that incident to define them and who they are. Those are my victims, okay? Best example I have for that is that on the very, very, very rare occasions that my dear wife can convince me to put a hammer into this hand, because I'm lousy at that stuff, this poor thumb is in mortal danger. And when I very predictably smack this poor thumb, even though it represents a minute percentage of my total body mass, for about 48 to 72 hours, this throbbing digit defines me. Feels like everything in my life revolves around thumb, 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 thumb. I look in the mirror and it's like all there is is thumb. Okay? It did happen. It did hurt. It was destructive. It was stressful. But it's not all of me. Some people stay stuck defined by that incident. And for the rest of their life, they drive their figurative car in park and only check the rearview mirror. That's a small life. And if somebody defines themselves as I'm a victim of a disease, I'm a victim of Afghanistan, of a bad boss, of the economic downturn, of breast cancer, of abuse, those things did happen. My thumb did really hurt but it can't define me. That's not who I am. And then there's some other people who seem to experience the same thing and they bounce back almost superficially. They spring right back. But if you now define yourself as a survivor of Afghanistan, abuse, a rape, a bad boss, COVID-19, isn't that a different perspective on life? Isn't that someone who's a whole lot more fun to talk to? Because they're driving life, looking at the windshield, in drive, they check the rearview mirror because it did really happen, but they're moving forward. So victims, survivors, and then there's another category. I made up a word, we'll call them surthrivers. I think we as believers have a tremendous advantage and opportunity to become thrivers. And those are folks who experienced a hardship and didn't duck it. They leaned into the pain. They leaned into the questions. They leaned into the ambiguity of what does this mean? They sought the Lord and they said, Lord, this really hurts. I never want to go through this again, but make me better. Make me a survivor of this so that my relationship with you, my relationships with other people, my giving to other people, my life mission has more focus and I cut some of the fat off. Those are folks who allow themselves to feel and to hurt and to seek and to pray. Who's going to fall into those categories? Um, and, and I'm just going to say we have an identity that is so much bigger than any incident. 
so much bigger than COVID-19, COVID-19 so much bigger than 9-11, Katrina, Virginia Tech, so much bigger than anything in our lives. Um, some scriptures, Ephesians 2.19 says that we are fellow citizens in the childhood of God. I'm God's kid. I'm one of God's kids. I'm part of a family of God's kids. 1 John 3, 1 says we should be called children of God. <laughs> he admits that we're his kid. He doesn't pretend we're not. Um, I'm sure my parents did sometimes, <laughs> but he doesn't. Um, Zephaniah three seventeen says God delights in us. We're his favorite kids. He takes delight. He takes joy in watching us. And uh, Ephesians says that we are God's handiwork to do good work. So we're part of a family of God's kids that he loves, that he acknowledges, that he takes delight in, and he has meaningful stuff for us to do. That's my identity. COVID-19 pales in comparison. It's real. It hurts. But we're bigger than that. So are you going to bend or are you going to break? This is stressful. This is hard. The term that's out a lot recently is resilience. Now, sometimes we think about resilience as being, oh, that's a resilient person. He or she is strong. They seem unaffected. They're still stoic. Are they Teflon? What's going on here? That's not a resilient person. And that doesn't work. And it may present well in social situations for a short period of time. But in the real world, uh-uh. Strength is not stoic. Strength means that I can acknowledge that sometimes life is really hard and it knocks me flat on my backside. But within me, above me, and around me are the resources for me to bounce back. So a couple years ago, I was with a team working um, Hurricane Harvey down in Houston. And if you remember, Hurricane Irma came right on the heels of it this, the same week um, and hit Florida. Um, I have a little brother who lives in Florida. And he had this big, beautiful, stout tree with a swing in it for his kids. And um, today, he, for a Floridian, has a lifetime supply of firewood. But in his backyard, he had a stand of bamboo that survived, and it's all there. So first and foremost, don't pretend. So often we go through hard things and people say, how you doing? And we have a one-word answer, fine, fine. That's not true. You're not saying fine because you're strong. You're saying fine because you're chicken, because you're concerned that somebody will think that you're frail, that you're a pathetic wimp, or that your faith isn't strong enough. It's okay to acknowledge that sometimes life knocks us flat. A more appropriate answer would be lousy, but I'll be okay. Lousy, with the Lord's help, I'll be okay. Who's gonna fall into those buckets? And I wanna, I wanna say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about some research here. Um, all truth is God's truth. And don't you love it when scientific studies come out and they only confirm what we already read in scripture. And um, I love it when research reach researchers discover God's truth and they go, Yep, um, my mom told me that. Uh, yep, that's what grandpa always said. Or, uh huh, I heard that one in Sunday school. 
I think you're going to experience that today. So when they do the research about who bounces back and especially who bounces forward, victim, survivor, so thriver, three characteristics come up very, very frequently that describe resilient people. Um, one, resilient people have a belief in and a commitment to some cause greater than self. So me, 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 all the drama about me, everything's about me. Did you hear the word me? Me-focused people are not resilient. You come to the end of me pretty quickly. And frankly, other people come to the end of your me way quicker. But if you have a commitment to a cause bigger than you, and as believers, wow, the master of the universe loves us. The master of the universe sent his own son to die for us and has meaningful work for us to do here and an eternal plan for us. How's that for a cause bigger than us? We can also take that faith-driven cause and integrate it within other missions. I'm going to commit to my family. I'm going to commit to my company. I'm going to do the mission of my job, my organization. I'm going to take care of my employees. I'm committed to my community. I'm committed to my country. Let's keep the world safer. Those are causes that make us bigger than we are. I'm going to come back to that. Two, people who under stress isolate and stay there are not as resilient as those who have access to and access, underlined, and use social support. So if you're an introvert, it doesn't mean you're doomed. And if you're a party animal who gets a thousand likes on your social, it doesn't mean you have it made. It has to do with the quality of those relationships. And, and it, you can isolate for a little while. Go to your man cave. Go to your she shack. That's okay. Lick your wounds for a minute. But come back and connect with people because people who do are more resilient. We'll come back to that. Third, interestingly, so if a tragedy happened to Bob today, hope not, but if a tragedy did and people looked and said, whoa, that was a tough one. How's he going to be doing in the future? What's his prognosis? They find that one of the greatest predictors of Bob's future is not just the tragedy, but it's how was he doing before the tragedy ever happened? Did he have healthy, life-giving ways of taking care of himself and the people that he cared about? So was he doing all of the healthy things? Did he have a savings account for tough times? Did he have means of good communication between his spouse about how do we now negotiate schedules and those kind of things? Um, was he eating healthy, getting enough sleep and all those kind of things? So it's, it's kind of like when if you have a knee injury and they say, what's the prognosis for recovery? One of the factors is how healthy was that leg before the injury happened? Let's do a little deeper dive, okay? So one, I'm challenging each of you. What's your mission? Why are you here? What's your purpose in life? How come you get to suck up so much oxygen for 82 years? What do you want your grandbabies to say about you someday? 
What do you want your grandbabies to tell their grandbabies about you? People who ask themselves those questions and live their lives accordingly are more resilient because when high stressors, when traumatic incidents and conditions occur, you need to be able to answer the question, why? You all have to do so many what's, what, 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 all day long. What's the why behind your what? Why do you do what you do? Because otherwise, when we're really stressed, it's way too easy to just hit snooze, snooze, snooze. In strategic planning, people will often say, begin with the end in mind, right? What do we want to have different? How do we know when we're done? And then we plan out a strategy strategy to get to that end point. I think the same thing should happen in our lives. Let's begin with the end in mind. So I'm going to give you a weird assignment. What do you want your eulogy to say? It won't be the same thing as your resume. What do you want your eulogy to say? Now live your life consistently with that mission. So you have a mission-driven life. Resilient people do that. They do that exercise. Next, positive social support. Again, you can isolate for a while, but don't stay there. Don't stay there. Um, my kids heard ad nauseum, as they told me, the same statement where I said, guys, you know you become like the five people you hang out with most. Yeah, 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 we heard that one. But it's true. You become like the five people you hang out with most. Resilient people can identify their five. And they're choosy. Now, I'm not saying being a snob. I'm not saying don't minister to everybody. I'm not saying isolate. But I'm saying who are the five that you intentionally go to? Who are your go-to people? Um, if anybody here took British literature or watches a lot of Disney movies, uh, Rudyard Kipling in Jungle Book said, the strength of the pack is the wolf. And the strength of the wolf is the pack. So for your five, I'm going to encourage you to pick five really strong wolves, five people you trust or you respect who are supportive of you. And then scripture says, iron sharpens iron. Does the pack make each individual wolf stronger? That's what the body of Christ should be about. That's what the body of Christ should be about in that we all become the best that we can in our relationship with the Lord and surround ourselves with people who also help us to be better with and for each other. Oh, I have to do this. I was in the shower this morning and the Holy Spirit prompted me to say something and I really don't want to. Because when we go back to uh, sanctuary-based worship, I may not be welcome, but I need to say this. Um, Holy Spirit speaks to me frequently in the shower. I want you to know that he's very clean. I think he takes a shower every morning at the same time I do. But your pack, I'm talking truth here. Your pack can't be a gang. Your pack can't be a bully and minions. 
And it grieves me deeply when I go on Facebook and I see Christians whose pack is a group of folks who send a sarcastic, haughty, arrogant message that if you don't believe just like me, you're stupid and you're evil. That's just like a school playground where you have a bully and the minions who wait until it's safe to weigh in and then they punch the guy who's down too. People do it about political issues. People do it about maize and blue versus green and white. People do it about Ford versus Chevy. My goodness. But as people of faith, a lot of people on my social media sites are not believers and it's really easy for them to discount Christ because of Christians. And when I think about the life of Jesus, who did he hammer? He hammered the Pharisees who used their position to arrogantly pr promote um, things that protected them from what they were afraid of and what provided them with advantage. Don't go there. Okay, Holy Spirit, I was obedient. I'm moving on. All right, I've never heard Pastor Dwayne ask you to do this, but I'm going to ask everyone to close your eyes. That's risky for a speaker. And I want you to picture one person you trust. Lordy, I hope you got one. Now, open your eyes, please, please. Open your eyes. We tend to trust on three levels. We trust competence, in character and compassion, okay? We trust competence. We trust people who are good at stuff. I like to trust smart people who are accomplished and do good things. I hope you didn't picture a knucklehead who screws up a lot, okay? But we trust people who are good at things, who make us better, whose opinion we respect. We trust character. We trust people who tell the truth, keep their promises, abide by godly principles, um, have a good work ethic, who say the same thing about us when we're not in the room as when we are, right? I hope you didn't picture somebody who's lying, cheating, and stealing on you. And we tend to trust people of compassion, people who have an emotional investment in us so that they celebrate and cheer with us when we win and they're there for us also when we lose and they support us, right? So, Go back to your five. There are solutions here. Dear five, go three for three. Pick five people. And I know we're social distancing and the whole six feet thing. Yes, comply with that. The CDC people are really, really smart. I've talked to them. They were way smarter than me. Listen to their directions. But virtually and in whatever way you can, intentionally reach out to five people for whom you trust competence, character, and compassion. It will help you to be more resilient. It will help those you love to be more resilient. And then, you know, when we talk about trust, we often think about the other guy. Um, let's flip this. What do you bring into the potluck? How would people around you view you in terms of competence and character and compassion? People who are in trustworthy relationships tend to be trustworthy. So 
work on those things. If those are strengths, awesome. Write them. If there are opportunities for improvement, seek that out with the Lord and comply. Together we get through this. It's important also to have those five people who give you both support and feedback, okay? So it's wonderful when friends tell us that we have a beautiful smile and they catch us being good and they support and they celebrate. But isn't it also a wonderful friend who would say, you have a beautiful smile and you have spinach in your teeth. That's a good friend, right? That's a good friend. That's where iron sharpens iron. That's where it encourages us, it gives us the energy, and it keeps us from being isolated into an echo chamber where our fears can overwhelm us. Seek out people who will give you both and be one of those people who will. Um, Ephesians 4.15 says, Therefore speak the truth in love so as to build each other up into the head who is Christ. That's what that's about. Speak the truth in love. We can be confident in our beliefs and still be humble and gentle as we deliver them. But it takes a great friend to say, I care enough to risk ticking you off to have an awkward conversation. Be that for each other. Lots and lots and lots of research talks about how when people go through hardship, they become a little more childlike and they look to leadership and they look to groups whom they respect and with whom they identify strongly. And we draw strengths from people in leadership. We draw strength from groups that we identify with. And in, in my crisis response experience, um, we very were part of, with many other players, in assigning a rallying cry around which people could center their hope. And these aren't platitudes, okay? This isn't Hallmark cheap and superficial. Not that everything from Hallmark is cheap and superficial, but these aren't platitudes. But after, remember Virginia Tech, it was, we are the Hokies, we will prevail. I can be strong because I'm part of a university that is. Northern Illinois, after their shooting, it was forward together forward. Colorado is hope. Sandy Hook chooses love. Boston strong. Okay? That isn't cheap. That pulls people together. So in your family, does it mean something to be in your family? You as a parent, does it mean something? My dad and mom, they're concerned, but they're not afraid. They care about me, and they're tough enough to handle this. They're going to search it out because I'm a smith. And that's what Smiths do. That produces resilience. I'm part of the body of Christ. Again, the master of the universe loves me. That's my identity. Together, we can get through this. Another part of social support is being brave enough to ask for help. Okay? Be brave enough to ask for help. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. Um, I've heard Pastor Duane preach wonderful sermons on the Good Samaritan. And I can put myself quickly into the role. If I think about myself in each role in that story, uh, yep, guilty as charged. Sometimes I'm that religious leader who finds it easy to be too judgmental. 
um, guilty as charged. Sometimes I'm that civic leader who's just too busy to stop. Sometimes, yay, I can be the Good Samaritan. I can help people. Look at me. I'm helping people. Right? Sometimes I'm the innkeeper and I make my living helping people. Okay. Okay. Um, sometimes I feel like the donkey. I didn't really get a vote, but I had to carry the bloody sweaty guy. And, you know, sometimes our wives sign us up for stuff or we feel like the donkey. The role that's hardest for me to take on is what if I was the guy who got robbed? Would I let a Samaritan help me? Would I ask a Samaritan for help? Can I be strong enough to ask for help? Can I be humble enough to ask for help? I can be strong and humble at the same time. Challenge you to ask for help. So, but take heart. Um, I spoke at a military event not long ago and a three-star general stood up and he said, did you know that the word courage comes from the French word, cour means heart. So as you deliver social support, if you encourage, that means you're giving somebody heart. Give heart. If you discourage, it means taking their heart. As part of the body of Christ, as part of a resilient body of Christ that the world's going to watch, they're going to say, yeah, they sing nice songs and they dress up nice, but what do they do when the rubber really meets the road? Are they going to witness? Are they going to know we're Christians by our love? Are they going to see us encouraging each other, being encouraged by the Lord, and reaching outside of our body to encourage others as well? The third, healthy coping skills. Believers should, going back, we should be resilient because we're the ultimate mission. We should be resilient because we're part of the body of Christ and we have social support. We should also be resilient because we should have healthy coping skills. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If anybody should be eating healthy, getting enough sleep, getting some exercise, having meaningful hobbies, being active, having good conflict resolution, handling our money wisely, all of those kind of things, it should be us, right? We should have a leg up on the rest of the world, not putting too many poisons in our system, to medicate ourselves when we're scared. We should be good at those things. We should have those resources available, ready in place, and it's there. So my challenge to you is, what's your resilience plan? You have a business plan, you have a weekly schedule plan, you have a plan to plan the process of planning. What's your resilience plan? Because just saying, yeah, I'm going to let it happen, uh -uh, doesn't happen. You have to be intentional. You have to have a plan. And it's going to be different for everybody. What really geeks you will bore you, will scare you. So I want you to think about, what have I done before? When I've been through something tough, what was something that was godly and legal and affordable and sustainable that helped me to get through it? Oh, yeah, Lord, give me the strength and wisdom to do it again. But have a plan. I have five things I try to do every day. Five things. Faith, family, friends, fitness, fun. So when I hit the pillow at night, faith. 
I get up early for devotions to read and pray. Family, try to be really nice to my wife. Reach out to my kids. Fitness, I try to hit the gym. That's really hard these days. So I'm trying to do bike rides and uh, playing pickleball and going for walks and one day I have a snowball fight. Um, but fitness, um, friends, intentionally trying to touch my five as often as I can. It has to be virtual, but I'm doing it. And fun, I love friends who make me laugh also. What's your resilience plan? What's a resilience plan for your family, for your business, for this church? What does I got your back mean in these very, very unique situations? Intentionally do those things. I'm gonna go back to how we started. James 16:33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Body of Christ, we can bounce back. Yes, it's hard. Together, we got this. Thank you. Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.